0: Hello, and thanks for joining us today on the Imitating Jesus podcast, hosted by Icon Ministries. Uh, One of the most acute pressure points in life and culture today is our collective and individual journey towards mental health. It seems like every day in the headlines, there's new studies coming out, all with harrowing news about the state of the world and our struggles with our mental health. With May being Mental Health Awareness Month, we thought we would take an opportunity to dig in a little deeper with this critical topic. Um, Normally, our podcast, we um, focus our time on, on following the mission and the message of Jesus to make disciples of all nations. And we're certainly going to speak to how we, as followers of Jesus, are to come alongside and support our friends and family members who are searching for health in light of mental illness. But we also want to speak to our brothers and sisters who are wrestling in their own mental health journey and offer hope and help along the way. Um, today, I'm joined by some folks I'm excited to be uh, sharing a table with, um, who I think will speak a lot of, of truth to this. So I want to introduce you first to uh, Dr. David Wheeler. Um, Dr. Wheeler is joining us from Louisiana. So we got a, an exotic southerner up in our <laughs> northern midst here. Uh, Dr. Wheeler, would you tell us a little bit about yourself and, and why you are passionate about this discussion of mental health and, and the body of Christ?
1: Yeah, I, um, I entered the field really because of a desire to help people that came from my love for God and the love that he gave me for people. Uh, And so I pursued mental health, you know, through psychology, marriage and family therapy training, and then a doctorate in psychology just to try to be better able to help uh, people with kind of a a long-term goal of understanding better how our spirit and spiritual issues work together with our psychology. And uh, so it's an ongoing learning process. Um, I work at a, at the Methodist Children's Home in Ruston, Louisiana, and it's a treatment facility for adolescents. And uh, it was important to me to work for a faith-based organization if possible. And so that's that's helpful, and then I have a small private practice one evening a week.
0: Fantastic. I know just spending the last 24 hours today, I've gleaned a lot from you. and appreciate your, your expertise and knowledge, but also just the obvious care that you have for, for people and those around you. Thank you. Um, Dr. Kevin, mm-hmm. I would like to uh, introduce you. Uh, I know you do a lot of traveling internationally, yeah. and so we're just gonna refer to you on a first name, kind of diva status, uh, <laughs> Dr. Uh, yeah, Kevin. That's right. Uh, so would you please tell us a little bit about who you are and, and yeah, why this is sure, important to you? Sure.
2: sure. Um, I'm sort of a jack of all trades, but I've always as I became more mature in my faith as a believer um, in college, I really began to see two areas of gifting that that God had given me. One was in teaching and the other was um in in just in compassion and a gift of mercy. And 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 so as I began to think how Lord, how will you use that in me? And and so through that, psychology sort of began to, I wouldn't say there was a defining moment, but it it began to sort of emerge as this is a place where where those two gifts could be uh, merged together. And so I really uh, began my graduate work with the intent of really being a professor. I really want to be in a university teaching. But also as my faith matured to begin to see this gift of mercy, I thought, you know, psychology could be the place where these could, could come together. And and then as I got more into my studies, my doctoral program, began to learn more about uh, how to do counseling and, and how to understand people. The idea of hope became pretty important to me, that, that I really felt like psychology was missing an important piece of true hope. And, and I felt like that only Jesus could give true hope. And so then I began to really, as I began to teach and think about worldviews, I began to more systematically begin to integrate the world of psychology and the world of my faith into those two areas where where my faith and in bible was paramount but then the psychology world then could be integrated into that with the knowledge we have from science and research in that area and so then from that you know begin teaching and and then begin working in trauma and disaster through the american red cross and then later uh, with refugees, and begin to see really that begin to just solidify the idea of of, of psychology and, and the hope that we have in Jesus. And so that's just been an affirming process.
0: Yeah, And I know over the years that you've been very helpful as a friend to our ministry and mm-hmm. to our relationships here to, to hold out that hope for mm-hmm. us and those that mm-hmm. we're walking with. Um, Louis Clark, you have no credentials whatsoever, <laughs> um, but we are glad you're here. Um, why... Why should we listen to Dr. Kevin and Dr. David? Y-
3: yes, the reason that um, we wanted uh, for our, our friends with Imitating Jesus, for Ryan and I to expose you to Kevin and David, is not because there's credentials of psychologists, which they both are, you know, very credentialed, but because that there are our, our brothers in Jesus, they are disciple makers, and they are men of God and men of faith who happen to be psychologists. First and foremost, they're followers of Jesus. And um, we have benefited greatly from um, their counsel and uh, over the years with Kevin, just when we get stuck with people or something just isn't adding up in the disciple-making process and um, the wisdom that he's given to us in understanding mental health and when this is a mental health issue or no, This is just a sin issue. Uh,
0: So they've been very helpful. So we wanted to share them with our friends. Mm -hmm. So in our first session together, I think it would be helpful probably just to kind of start at a a mental health 101 level. Um, I think in culture at large in America, the mental health issues have been elevated. And I think this is good. And a lot of people are, are talking and there's stigma being removed. But I also think, at least from my experience, there's still... A whole lot that I don't understand. A whole lot of um, how it all works. What steps we could take. So, could you guys just start by kind of defining some terms for us? Like, what is mental health? What is mental illness? Um, how how can we best understand that? Sure, sure.
2: Uh, I teach a class, a graduate class on psychopathology and diagnosis, and this is you know the the launching point for us to be, and and certainly like. Many terms there has it can be a broad definition of this, but uh, the way to think about mental disorder is it's an extended or prolonged uh, condition of just problematic behaviors, thoughts, uh, emotions that significantly impact our daily lives okay. and particularly our ability just to just to live normally day in and day out but it has a great impact on relationships mm-hmm. we almost always will see that when people have a significant disorder it will have a great impact on uh, on their sure. relationships
0: so there's a level of personal impairment and as they're journeying through that it affects their relationships and their spheres true okay yeah well yeah
1: you know i'm thinking of, of something in, in in our with our physical bodies you can get sick from illness or some disease but you can also have injuries Mm -hmm. and so um as as our our, the field of medicine takes care of both of those or tries to uh, deal with both of those which of course is a wide range of things uh mental health is not only about dealing with what might be called illness or disease which some things fall into that category but a lot of things or more injury that that when people mm-hmm. go through traumatic experiences, um, it, they, it can affect us in a lot of different ways. So, mm-hmm. there are many ways that people develop from those experiences with problems that they carry with them. So, mental health is also about uh, addressing and resolving some of those traumas and mm-hmm. and um, and a lot of other areas. Yeah. yeah.
0: Appreciate you putting that in simple terms. Just talk to me like a kindergartner and that'll probably, uh, (laughs) well, and even like helping me understand what's, what's the difference between psychology and psychiatry and what is, what is the place for those things? And
2: yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that's one of the easiest ones to answer because psychiatry is uh, a psychiatrist is a medical doctor. So they get through medical school and then specialize in the field of psychiatry uh, versus, you know, other specialties that that doctors might might find that that might be in the more physical realm. Uh, it, psychiatrists deal with the physical realm in the sense of trying to understand how uh, chemicals affect the brain, and so uh, drugs used to to try and uh, alleviate problems that um, by changing the brain chemistry. Uh, so, a psychiatrist is typically not going to do counseling or therapy. They may have someone they refer people to, but normally the demand is so high that they only are going to have time to deal with the medical component. Mm-hmm. They might give uh, some brief counsel, but primarily they're going to focus on the, the physiology. Uh, so a psychologist is uh, someone who's trained in uh, counseling and therapy and research, but also uh, psychological testing. That's kind of the thing that I think differentiates uh, that specialty okay. from other mental health. What's
0: what psychological testing? How's that playing Yeah, into this?
1: Yeah, psychological tests are, are basically uh, uh, instruments developed to measure different parts of our functioning. For instance, uh, every once heard of IQ, you know, an intelligence quotient was something that. Um, uh, was constructed uh, to to be a measurement of someone's intellectual ability. So it's it's designed to, attempting to not measure what they've learned, but their capacity to learn. And then you have achievement testing, which shows what they've actually learned. And so those types of tests can can help determine is there a difference between their ability and what they're able, and what they're learning, or is there some type of learning disability? So you'll see those types of Tests, particularly in the school setting, uh, but in other settings as well. But then there are all kinds of tests designed for, for other, mm-hmm. um, other types of functioning in, in my world, in the clinical world, it's going to be uh, what emotional uh, issues, what behavioral issues, what is the person's personality like that might explain some of the problems that they're having sure. in life. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So
0: if you go and have some, if you're wondering, I've got a lot going on inside of me, I'm not sure what to do with all this, I go get uh, assessed by a psychologist, then do I begin meeting with that psychologist who did the assessment for therapy, or how does how does that process
1: yeah, there work. there are some psychologists who will also do therapy, and they might even h- hire people in their office to do some of the the actual testing measures, and then they put together the report. Some of those people will do therapy. Okay. Some of them will um, have people in their office uh, to do therapy, so they're doing the assessment. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, I've always preferred therapy. That's that's kind of mm-hmm. what got me into this. The testing was just something that came along. With the degree, so I love it when I have someone else who's very skilled. Uh, like right now, in my in my day job uh, at the children's home, I have a very skilled uh, person who was a school psychologist, and and so she does a lot of the work, and then we put together the report. But what I really love to do is therapy. So my private practice—that's strictly what I do.
2: Yeah. Okay. And so, I think. Go ahead. Well, and I think that. Um, Yeah, psychology, in the realm of assessment, there's a lot of things, just like neuropsychological assessment is, you know, the idea of, if there's a structural problem with the brain, either disease or injury, you know, medicine can do uh, CT scans, MRIs, and they can look at the brain structure itself and see where the damage is and the extent of it. Neuropsychological testing then can measure, okay, how does that affect functionality? you know what are what are impairments caused by that what are functions that are still retained you know and that's important so mm-hmm. so there are those yeah. but, it's but it's a lot a of clinicians and- will give screening tests when you come in for let's say for just counseling these are tests that really are spe- targeting maybe one or two specific disorders and and a lot of people may experience that when they go to their doctors and or when they go to a they'll have a brief screening test. You know, so so that, basic questions that's very to common. Yeah. Try to flush out if there's yeah. depression yeah. Anxiety, or anxiety. Right. But psychologists do the more comprehensive, complex assessment. So let me
3: practically, like I'm a parent or I'm discipling someone yeah. and I'm suspecting that something is not right, You know that I, I need help beyond just the typical counseling maybe mm-hmm. or the typical discipling method or parenting method. So how do I take everything you just said and <laughs> apply it to my, my child or to the person I'm trying to disciple? Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. In terms of, so to clarify, is so I, I think something is up. I think something is going on here. Mm-hmm. And where do I go now? What do I do? And, and many people will go to their primary care physician or pediatrician as a first place because they just, in fact, uh, one third of visits to primary care is a is a, is a mental health issue. Wow, is a primary mental health issue, and then another third of visits to primary care will be a physical issue with a significant mental health component to it. So they, for many people in their mind, that is the first line mm-hmm. of intervention. But uh, if it becomes evident that my child is struggling say in school, then we go to the school and there will be school psychologists and school psychology specialists who can begin to you know, address the issue. But when it's a just a more general you know, mental health issue of depression or anxiety or mood functioning, then uh, you, can, you can then be thinking who, you can ask primary care, is there a counselor or a psychologist that, that you recommend? Uh, and you can start there and then have the person, uh, you can make an appointment and go see that person and and explain this is what I'm seeing, this is what we're concerned about. And then as they begin asking questions and doing more of a structured kind of interview, they begin to try to hone in and begin to help understand the issue at hand and what interventions might be necessary.
3: What, what do I do when it's an adult, like I'm a discipling an adult, and uh, what's my first yeah, line of defense or, yeah. or my first step after, if I suspect something's not right? Yeah, and I'll
2: say something brief, and I'll let certainly yeah. David, weigh in on this. So similarly, you may go to the primary care okay. person and say, you know, we're not sure if this is depression or not, because sometimes depression can be caused by physiological problem, like okay. hypothyroidism can okay. lead to mood change. But, um, but if you have a good relationship with your primary care uh, provider, then ask them, who would you recommend? Who does your office normally refer to? And start at that place if you're just starting from scratch. Mm-hmm. But then if you're discipling people in community and, and you're doing it more longer term, then you, will, you can begin to develop um, a network of people you begin to encounter who are Counselors and psychologists, and who who you begin to trust and and believe that they have a a worldview that's similar to yours. Yeah, yeah.
1: I will say, <clears throat> not to complicate it overly complicated, mm-hmm. but I you also different people are good at different things. Mm-hmm. There will be some therapists that you yeah. will learn. Wow, this this person is really good at working with adolescents, or this person is really good at working with children. Or, or this person is great at working with marital problems. So, you know, different people have different strengths, just like any other, uh, probably, uh, or many disciplines. Uh, so, getting to, you know, getting the word of mouth is a very, very powerful thing. And, like Kevin said, building trust uh, with people in the mental health uh, providers uh, is, is really helpful too. Mm-hmm. As far as what do you do if you're discipling someone and you, you see some problems and you feel like, okay, they're, they're a little bit deeper than, or I don't know if deeper is the best word, but they seem to have something going on that, that is, is not being alleviated by the, the tools that I have to work with them. Then I think, I think encouraging them to, to go get help and maybe even helping them find a provider mm-hmm. if they're willing. And I realize that's kind of an awkward conversation um, at times, but as you have that comfort level, and especially with nowadays, um, hopefully the stigma is being reduced in our society about going to counseling. And so I think sometimes it just has to be that honest conversation look, you know, your anger or uh, the, your mood going down so low, it really concerns me. And I feel like you've been, you've been, you have been praying, you've been doing these things. But what if you went to to get some counseling and see if there's something else going on that that could help you with?
0: How how do I, as a lay person, as a, as a friend? This is my brother. This is the uh, person I'm discipling. Like, how do I discern if it's if it is a, a mental health issue? Just this is just their personality, or they're just having a bad month or a bad year, or or there's just an immaturity here in this area, or or there's sin in this area. Like, how do I? how do I do that without just making a group reservation for all my friends to go to a psychologist and uh, Mm. have an assessment party, myself included?
2: Mm. That's a good question. There's a lot. I think, again, if you go back to me, if you go back to impairment, particularly impairment in relationships, sometimes it is obviously a personality thing. but, But if it's a personality thing, you'll begin to, identify, okay, what am I doing with it? Is it anger issue all the time? Is this person always angry? Are they easily frustrated? Are we walking on eggshells? then then you begin to think, okay, that that may not be a definable mental disorder. Where's that anger coming from? If it's so persistent, um, where is it coming from? And maybe you know it's certainly therapy could help with that. So, hey, mm-hmm. we think that you have this anger issue. We see it regularly. And it's not getting better, and we've tried to counsel you through this and, and help you understand, but it's not getting better. So I think when you see persistence and and your efforts to help them to see that and have insight into it and make changes is one indicator that maybe it is a it is a deep deep seated issue, and 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 we lack awareness, right? We you know, all of us have parts of ourselves we have little awareness about that other people may that they see. Another is is, um, how is it getting in their way of other daily activities? Or, you know, if they're going to work, are they able to get up and go to work? Um, Are they now changing what they used to do? They used to be outgoing, involved in community. Now they're isolating. Um, Or are they used to be someone who's very calm and now they're acting more erratically? So when you see significant behavioral changes and and not that they last a day or two, but that they, you see this persistent pattern and the pattern, you know, we can have a bad week, even, you know, a bad day and be discouraged or something. But we're talking about something that that persists for weeks and maybe even months. Um, Now, there can be some real severe um, symptoms that come out that happen rapidly right away and, and something like that. It's, it's going to be very obvious to you and to the group. It's like, okay, something is not right here. We've got to get help. Yeah, yeah
1: and, and you know, there's there's other ways to, to look at it. I mean, from our perspective, uh, I don't know how Kevin would feel, but I would say it's not going to hurt anybody to go to counseling. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I suppose it could if you, if you you know, in certain situations, if you had a really bad counselor, and I, mm-hmm. I don't know if you were very vulnerable, but but I think for the most part, Counseling is a good thing; it's not going to hurt, but also understand what you're saying. You're not going to just, you know, uh, have everybody in your group necessarily sure. sign up for counseling, or would they probably want to? Yeah. Uh, so, the severity and 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 consistency of the problem, or consistency, is is definitely a good way. I, I think that's a mm. good uh, criteria as well.
3: How, as people of faith and believing in Jesus and the gospel, how does that um, affect my approach to everything we're discussing here, and like in your own mm-hmm. lives, how does your faith intersect with psychology? Mm-hmm. And so, when I'm look, am I looking for a Christian therapist or not, or does mm-hmm. that make a difference?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I, I mentioned that I really had a goal in my life to try to better understand the connection of our spiritual well-being and our psychological, and I, I I've heard many times in the past that we are a triune being body, soul and spirit. And so I, I think I, I've probably seen and I, and I like to, to use the illustration of interlocking circles mm-hmm. with that that you know you, you do the three circles and they're they're overlapping each other. Uh, that, I think that's the way we are. There's some uniqueness about my body if I'm touching my my you know, my hand, then there's there's something that I could say, well that's physical but that's sending a signal to my mind and and triggering a thought. So it's connected to our thinking, but yet I can be thinking without necessarily um, activating my body other than my brain and nervous system. But then where does the spirit come in? And that's where our faith is involved, that we believe God breathes life into us. And then when we come to know him uh, as, uh, as somebody of understanding that we give our lives to him, then his spirit indwells us. And so we are spiritual beings as well as psychological beings and and physical beings. And and they're not separate. We're very compartmentalized in our thinking sometimes, but they're integrated so that my thinking is going to affect my spiritual life. My spiritual life is going to affect my thinking and both of those are going to affect my body. And what I do with my body is going to affect my thinking, so they're all interrelated. So we're one being, but we have to respect, in my opinion, each of those. So we go to the doctor often when we have physical problems, especially uh, it's not that uh, it, it doesn't have those other elements, but I'm sick, I'm gonna go and take care of my body, I go to a physician. So if that's the case, I see it similarly as if there's something wrong with my mind or emotions that are not being alleviated by by doing these other things, then I go to somebody that specializes in that area. Mm-hmm. Same spiritually, you know. So not to compartmentalize it too much, and ideally we'll go to a clinician that's integrated in the way that they're thinking mm-hmm. of things. But to me, it it it's not so much a, a dichotomy. Is this spiritual or is it, or is it psychological? They they go together.
2: Mm-hmm. And and for me, I think of it in that in that integration though brokenness is integrated into all that aspect from the fall and so then recognizing that yes we're we're broken and and there is sin in the world and in that brokenness it affects me in the totality of who i am physically spiritually emotionally psychologically so so i think of of how i enter into that is that that we are broken and so if I you know if someone has uh you know a torn ACL we're okay with that right that's that's a physical problem but Mm -hmm. but cancers do occur right cancer in the world and that's part of the brokenness but so does depression and anxiety you know and so do severe mental illnesses like schizophrenia those things have entered into this broken world and and um then, uh, through the ages, as God has given us dominion over the world, dominion to me is the idea that we have minds and reasons and intellect, and then we can learn about this world and learn about the physical world, but also the body, and, and then we can use that knowledge in constructive ways to, to find healing. And, and I think that we can have physical healing, spiritual healing, and and, and psychological healing.
0: That's helpful. Thanks. Louis, any thoughts in that direction? Dr. <laughs> Louis <laughs> Clark? Um, that yeah, that's helpful. Um, anything else? We're getting ready to, to wrap this first session up, but anything else you think would be helpful for the listener to hear? Just understanding a basic approach to mental health, to caring for yourself, to caring for others.
2: And I think we may get to this, in, you know, later. But the idea of just the just the conflict, the historical conflict between psychology and and spirituality, and and I think there's some legitimate uh, reasons for that. But I, I, I do think it's not just a faith issue. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it is faith and sin, but. Many times it's not, it's, it, it is truly, um, you know, a disorder that people don't ask for. And and sometimes it is a lifestyle issue. Sometimes it is my sin or the, or I'm choosing an unhealthy life style that leads to disorder. But sometimes it just, biologically it just happens to me or I have a predisposition because of the brokenness. So I just want people just to be encouraged that, um, that there is, there is a healthy integration of the two. That there are people I, I believe who, who have a healthy integration of of that, and 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 to try to um, really believe that.
1: Yeah, the only thing I would say is uh, adding on to what Kevin said about brokenness, we are all broken, mm-hmm. and I think that's important to remember. To not put these people are in yeah, this category, yeah, exactly. and I'm in this other category we all have problems to varying degrees yeah. and the more humble we can be and open yeah. with ourselves, um, the, the more we're likely to follow a healthy path, but we can't let shame mm. separate mm-hmm. us. Like, okay, I have a problem. I've got to keep that a secret or I'm, de- I'm deficient because I need counseling or I need medication. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are all deficient and that's why we depend on, uh, totally upon up, up on God, but we also depend upon each other. And uh, we all need help in different ways at different times.
0: Mm-hmm. So is is it fair to say that we we, we are all on a journey towards mental health? Mm-hmm. All of us. That's and right. yeah, yeah, in the way that with, with identifying autism, there's been developed a spectrum to help us understand and identify what support and resources people need. In the same way, would you say we're all on a journey towards mental health? There's just different people in different places yeah. that require more support, different kind of resources than others. a that's so that's Right way to look at it. it. Yeah. Like
2: but that. David's words that he's he's used before is holistically. Yeah. Mind, body, soul. Yeah. You know, mental health, all yeah. that holistically, we're on that journey. Yeah. Yeah, to be more Christ-like, mm-hmm.
0: which I think is the hope that the church, that the body of Christ, holds out that maybe others don't have access to or can't see because it, it is all those things and they all are working together and it's a shared brokenness mm-hmm. and moving towards a shared healing yeah good work louis any final thoughts here well thank you for our gentlemen yeah. yeah thanks for joining us yeah. um we look forward to hearing you. more from you in the, in the coming weeks here and thank you all listeners for joining us today in the icon ministries imitating jesus podcast on, on mental health and the body of christ um, if you have, are looking for more resources, um, please head over to ipanministries.org and connect with us there as we seek to live out our vision of, of just seeing people everywhere loving like Jesus. See you next time.